Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. In 2022, a coroner's inquest was held into the 2015 murders of three women, Natalie Warmerton, Anastasia Kuzik, and Carol Culleton in Renfrew County, a rural part of Ontario. And that inquest looked at what happened that we could change so we aren't going to see these kind of deaths again. It was the first time there had been a domestic violence homicide inquest that focused on rural communities. I'm Pamela Cross. I'm the Advocacy Director at Luke's Place in Durham Region. Why do you think it's important gender-based violence is declared an epidemic in Ontario? The very first recommendation from the jury in the Renfrew County inquest was to declare intimate partner violence or IPV to be an epidemic. And I can tell you when, when we heard that recommendation read out by the foreperson of the jury, we all just gasped because it is brilliant. It says clearly and directly, we are taking this problem seriously. This is a public policy issue. This is a public health issue. And then when we saw municipalities on their own, because that recommendation was directed at the province, say, hey, we're not waiting for the big guys to do it. We're gonna say it's an epidemic in our community because it is, our shelters are full, they're overflowing. Women are living on the street because they've got nowhere to go. It meant so much to survivors and to advocates. And so it's so fantastic that we're at almost 100, but there's more than 400 municipalities in the province. We need to keep going. It really came through the relationship we have with our local shelter, Leonard County Interval House. Uh, the executive director there is Erin Lee. She has um, a very strong team. My name is Krista Lowry, and I'm the mayor in Mississippi Mills. Um, so we get regular updates. It's, it's very common for um, Interval House to come and present at our uh, at our county table or at the lower tier tables. And it was a regular update that, that we were receiving from, uh, from the executive director. And, and I remember um, Aaron saying, you know, if I can just leave one thought with you, consider declaring int intimate partner violence an epidemic. But she put it out maybe as a challenge and wasn't expecting us to say, can we just take a recess? Can you help us with some wording? We'd like to do that tonight. And I don't know that she was expecting for that to happen. And on the other side, I wouldn't say Lanark County Council was perhaps expecting there to be as many communities follow suit. Um, we're thrilled that there has been a conversation gained because of that action. You hope to do that sort of, um, to have that kind of impact when you pass resolutions and you pass them up to, to AVO or to the province and whatnot. You hope that you will have that opportunity to encourage discussion, encourage um, conversations, and try to move along a, uh, an issue. Uh, there's a long way to go on this issue. Intimate partner violence is a municipal issue because it's happening to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family members, to our work colleagues, to people who go to the same religious institution that we go to. And there's a lot that we can do at the community level to make this an issue that we talk about, that we're not afraid of, that we say is something we're pulling out of the shadows and, and making a public issue. Guidance or leadership and, and certainly financial resources from the province and from the federal government 
critically important, but those conversations can and should start at the community level. Municipal issues of roads and bridges and infrastructure and libraries, you know, those kinds of things. So purely it isn't a municipal issue, but it is absolutely community safety issue. And that's where it does fit in with our responsibilities to our community. Uh, it fits into our community safety and well-being plan that's adopted at the county level and also at all the, the lower tier level. And we do reflect uh, intimate partner violence, violence against um, women, gender-based violence in our safety and well-being plan. So purely, no, it doesn't fit municipal responsibilities. That does it fit with the community? Absolutely. It affects our communities. It affects the, the residents and families in our communities. It affects the safety in our communities. And as elected officials, we're also community leaders. We're community builders. And we have the opportunity to influence change, influence discussions that are had. And for that reason, it's a municipal issue. How can neighbors make a difference? We can all make a difference. Lanark County has this fantastic project called, or campaign really, called See It, Name It, Change It. We have to stop turning our faces the other way when we know or think we know that someone is being abused or someone is causing abuse. Of course, we have to proceed carefully and cautiously. We don't want to make it worse for that survivor. We don't want to put ourselves in a place of danger. But there are resources out there to help us. So we do need to see it, name it, and change it a program called Neighbors, Friends and Families. All of their material is online. They're just about to launch a brochure that's specifically about intimate partner violence in rural communities. It's a really good guide. What should I be watching for? And when I see some of those red flags, how do I talk to her in a way that's safe for her and safe for me? So when we put our community safety and well-being plan um, together, it's a community-driven plan. Um, it is very much supported in behind by government, by the local Leonard government and the lower tiers, the local government too, but it's very much community driven. And so because of that, there's been some programs identified by the people on the, like right in the, in the work. Um, councils are not right in the work. We need to rely on the experts and those who are on the front lines to say, you know what we really need is a victim advocate program. And so that's one of the things that has come through. There's also uh, a mobile crisis uh, unit that is part of the OPP. So it's a mental health nurses who are uh, responding with them. So the right people are on the call, depending on what that call might look like. Uh, so those are, those are two that come to mind right off the top because they were directly coming from the work of those who are on the front lines and saying this is something that we need. Um, another that came out, it's not a, it's not a program, but it was a campaign. Um, the See It, Name It, Change It campaign, and that largely was coming to us from the, um, the Interval House team. Uh, and we've adopted it. You'll see it on billboards on the highways. Uh, we all have bookmarks and whatnot with it, t-shirts on it, like it's something that we've all adopted. How did COVID change this issue? Those of us who work with survivors of gender-based violence, in particular intimate partner violence, we anticipated that COVID would have an impact. We had no idea that rates of violence would go through the roof. And when you think about it, it's actually not that hard to figure out why. All of a sudden, we were all living under stay-at-home orders. And so for women who were already in relationships where they were being abused, they had nowhere to go. They weren't going to work. Their partner wasn't going to work. The children weren't going to schools. They couldn't 
take the kids to the library to get a bit of a break. They couldn't go visit their elderly mother because we were all told to stay in our little clusters. That's why it happened. The rates went way up. Shelters had to cut their capacity, I think, in about half because of the, the physical distancing requirements. So women had nowhere to go if they were ready to leave the relationship. And we're still in that state where we haven't recovered from that yet. So there are certainly issues that are compacting, making it more difficult in rural communities versus urban communities when we're looking at gender-based violence or intimate partner violence specifically. And it's the kinds of issues that are affecting all kinds of uh, matters in rural places. So things like transportation. Um, if you can't step out of your home and get onto a bus and take you from a situation that you're not safe in, that's not the reality in most rural communities. There's not transportation. You may have your neighbor be two kilometers down the road. So that's one of the barriers. That's one of the challenges. Uh, certainly connectivity has come a long way, but there's lots of areas. And I don't even want to say pockets. It's cargo pants worth of pockets of, of places that still don't have reliable connectivity. So if you can't pick up the phone and say, I need help, I need to get out of here, or make your plans or whatever it might be. So that's certainly something that a lot of rural communities are um, still very much facing as well. Um, and I think the nature of being in a small place, um, there's the sense that everybody's in your business or could be in your business. There's not the same sense of anonymity. Um, and there can be um, an extra layer of difficulty in leaving because people will know every, what will everyone think, you know, that kind of thing. But then the other side of it too, is it safe? You know, is it safe because of uh, how easy it is to know what's happening in small places? So there's extra layers absolutely in, in small places, in rural places. I think from my experience in Lanark County, the benefit also of being in a rural place is there's such a sense of neighbors wanting to help neighbors. Uh, there's such a sense of wanting to support everybody in, in our community and making sure that everybody is okay. So there is that sense too of wanting to make sure that, you know, you wrap your arms around everybody and we're gonna make sure everybody is safe. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.